0: Hi everyone, this is Danny, and today we're going to be looking at the fifth chapter of the novel, The White Tiger. Uh, this chapter is called The Fifth Night. Like always, I want you to make sure that while you're listening to this lecture that you're taking down notes so that you can build them into a resource for your upcoming staff and also potentially for the exam at the end of the year. So let's get into it. This chapter opens up by introducing one of the most important symbols of the novel. Uh, it's the rooster coop. So there's a quote at the bottom of uh, the first page of this chapter that says, Go to Old Delhi behind the Jama Masjid, and look at the way they keep the chickens there in the market. Hundreds of pale hens and brightly coloured roosters stuffed tightly into wire mesh cages, packed as tightly as worms in a belly, picking each other and shitting all over each other, jostling just for the breathing space the whole cage giving off a horrible stench, the stench of terrified feathered flesh. On the wooden desk above the coop sits a grinning young butcher, showing off the flesh of the organs of a recently chopped up chicken, still olympic with a coating of dark blood. The roosters in the coop smell the blood from above. They see the organs of their brothers lying around them. They know that they're next, yet they do not rebel. They do not try to get out of the coop. The same thing is done with human beings in this country. The rooster coop is a symbol that's uh, mentioned several times in the novel. This is probably the first time that it's come up so far. And it's a really important symbol because the digger is doing a couple of things with it. So the rooster coop, being a place that uh, keeps roosters locked up, basically, is meant to represent Indian society or maybe just society as a whole. It's that idea that society or the world at large traps us into these roles or um, into these positions that are almost impossible to break out of. But I think if you scratch the surface of this symbol a little bit more deeply, Adi is actually making a really interesting comment because he's saying not only are we imprisoned by society, but we're also active participants in keeping ourselves imprisoned. So like, if you look at that last line of uh, the paragraph, it says, they know they're next, yet they do not rebel. They do not try and get out of the coop. And it's a pretty interesting comment to make about Indian society and maybe humanity in general because it's sort of saying that We're placid. We don't fight back. We just accept the limitations of the world around us and we just go on with that acceptance. And that's what makes Balram a really fascinating protagonist because he isn't a person that's going to accept the limitations of the world around him. He fights back. And that's why he's the white tiger. That's why he's someone that's different from the world around him. And it's a really important thing to keep in mind. That idea of Adiga is making a comment about society, or perhaps the world in general. But using Indian society as that example, but he's also saying that human beings are complicit in this. Complicit means that we go along with something, and the human beings here are happy to go along with being imprisoned in the rooster coop whereas Balram is not, and that sets up a point of difference between Balram and the rest of the characters who inhabit the world of the novel. On page 149, after making a lengthy sort of discussion about Indian society and why it is like a rooster coop, Balram sort of ends his description by saying, here in India, we have no dictatorship, no secret police. That's because we have the coop. Never before in human history have so few owned so much to so many. A really important point, he's saying that India doesn't need to have a dictator. It doesn't need to have someone insane that's rolling the country because society over multiple generations has been developed in such a way that means that the general population of India are just accepting of the world that's around them. They don't fight back. So why do you need to have a dictator if you know that the population is just going to go along with whatever you say? It sort of connects the idea of people being placid. Um, on the next page, on page 150, Balram winds up his discussion about the rooster coop, that important symbol, and he says, Why does the rooster coop work? How does it trap so many millions of men and women so effectively? Secondly, can a man break out of the coop? What if one day, for instance, a driver took his employer's money and ran? What would his life be like? I will answer both of both for you, sir. The answer to the first question is that the pride and glory of our nation, the repository of all our love and sacrifice, the subject no doubt considerable space in the pamphlet that the Prime Minister will hand over to you. The Indian family is the reason that we are trapped and tied to the coup. So first off, he says that family is part of the reason why we get caught in the coup, because we get caught up to family obligations. Balram, for example, is working as a driver and he's being expected to send money to his family to support them back in Luxembourg. His grandmother tries to marry him off Um, in an arranged marriage. And when he says no, she says, what do you mean? No, you're going to do what we say. In this society, family obligation is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. Balaram goes on to answer the second question and he says, the answer to the second question is that only a man who is prepared to see his family destroyed, hunted, beaten and burned alive by the masters can break out of the coop. That would take no normal human being but a freak a pervert of nature. Some really interesting language that goes on there. So Balram obviously is this person that's prepared to accept the fact that if he breaks free of the masters, his family are basically going to be tortured and killed. And he says that a person that can accept this is a freak and a pervert of nature. They're different from everyone else because they're prepared to put their own happiness above their families. And then he concludes it by saying, it would, in fact, take a white tiger. You were listening to the story of a social entrepreneur, so, And Balram is saying to Wenjabar and the reader there that he was prepared to do these things in order to break out of the chicken coop or the rooster coop, sorry. So it's up to all of us to decide whether or not we agree with what Balram does, slitting our hoc throat, if we feel sympathy or compassion for him for making this choice or whether or not we condemn or blame him. And we're all going to have individual interpretations of it. For me, I think that even though Balram most likely sacrifices his family to a gruesome death, I think that Adiga still wants us to have some degree of sympathy for Balram because he's living in a world that's just inherently unfair. There's no opportunities for him to break out other than the way he did. But it's something that you guys are going to have to think about and decide for yourselves. So as we know in the last chapter, Pinky, Madam, and Mr. Ashok and Balram were involved in a hit and run where a young beggar child was run over and killed, and um, Mr. Ashok is facilitating the cover up of that death by trying to have Balram sign a contract saying that Balram was responsible for it. On page 153, it describes a conversation that Balram was overhearing where. Um, Pinky Madam, it says sort of down the bottom of page 153, Pinky Madam watched her face changed. She ran into the room and slammed the door. Who would have thought, Mr Chabal, that out of the whole family, the lady with the short skirt would be the one with a conscience? And that's actually really interesting because the whole way through the novel, Pinky Madam has kind of been described by Balram as being this awful person that just sort of is there to criticise him and make fun of him. But she's the only person that actually feels any degree of guilt. She's the one that accidentally killed the child, but she's also the one that feels disgusted by the whole cover-up. Balram and Ashoq are a bit more pragmatic. They accept it a bit more than what Pinky Madam does. So Pinky Madam winds up fleeing back to America after this, and she leaves Ashoq behind. And Ashoq starts to have a bit of a breakdown about it. On page 160, after dealing with a really depressed ass-hoc, Balram thinks to himself, "Baby, I thought rubbing his back as he heaved and threw up one more time, you big pathetic baby." And it's an interesting character development for Balram because the reader, and well, the reader can see that he's starting to feel more and more resentful towards Ashok. Ashok starts to become like the focus of his anger. And I think Ashok starts to represent that idea of the master, that person that owns you, lock, stock and barrel that's able to betray you and is able to set you up for a crime that you didn't commit. And that tension starts to build more and more as the novel progresses. On page 160, while dealing with that drunk and vomiting Ashok, Balram actually comments, do we loathe our masters behind a facade of love or do we love them behind a facade of loathing? It's a really interesting quote to ponder on because it connects the idea of the master and the servant, which is probably at the heart of this book. And it's asking, do we actually love our masters or do we hate them? Or does it have to be exclusively love or hate? Maybe we can love them in some ways and hate them in other ways. And I guess the importance of that is to recognise that while Balram does start to become more and more angry towards Ashok. He still has moments of affection for him, so it sort of adds to that complexity. It's not just one thing or the other. Like They're meant to be complex characters, and the ideas in this novel are meant to be complex. So when you actually wind up writing about the novel in the sack or in the exam at the end of the year, you have to be able to appreciate the complexity of the characters and the way that they're being constructed. On page 166, the chapter concludes. And Balram makes one last comment in this chapter anyway about the rooster coop. And he says, yes, that's the sad truth, Mr. Premier. The coop is guarded from the inside. And that just connects to the idea that the Indians, the Indian society has been so brainwashed by the world that they've grown up with in that they're happy to just keep going the way that they have.